0: I'd like to use my time this morning to talk specifically about what I see as Montana's needs in the area of new scholarship. By that I mean really substantial books. What are the books I would like to see on my bookshelves five years from now? I think one area that needs to be addressed is what I like to call contemporary Montana history, or Montana history from roughly the 1950s to the present. Uh, A lot of good articles have been published Uh, on that area in the last dozen years or so but I'm still waiting for certain monographs that I think are of critical importance to Montana. Uh, One of those would focus on on the demise of the Anaconda Copper Mining Company. Uh, Clearly a watershed moment in Montana's history. In fact I've been surprised that no historian has taken that on. Uh, Perhaps no one did in the 1980s or 1990s because it seemed too recent. But it's one of the single most important events in all of Montana's history. And no one yet has produced that book. Maybe someone is working on it, but I haven't heard of that yet. Uh, But I think to understand Montana, we have to have that book. Uh, Another book would be on uh, the other twin, the other Montana twin, right? The Montana Power Company. The demise of that company, which was brought about uh, by incompetent corporate leadership, right? I mean, it wasn't brought about by some outside forces of work here, but again, had devastating consequences and long-term consequences for Montana. Uh, we're badly in need of, of a 350-page book on that particular subject. What else would I like to see? I'd love to see some substantial books Uh, on 20th and 21st century Native American history. Uh, We have a score of books that focus on the 19th century. We have wonder books, books in the field of literature, that can introduce people from the outside to the Montana experience. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of the fantastic books of Jim Walsh, James Walsh. But what about 20th century Native American history? One of my favorite books uh, was the volume done by Rodney Fry the world of the crow indians as driftwood lodges Uh, but that book now is oh 20 years old and more Uh, we need books of that type that talk about the native american experience in modern times in modern history in the 20th and 21st century that's my opinion i think we also uh, badly need a variety of books focusing on montana environmental history. And not just because it's sort of a hot field right now, but because it's so central to the Montana story, the power of the Montana landscape. You know, as one of the conference participants uh, yesterday noted, we need to be careful in talking about Montana exceptionalism. I I would second that. On the other hand, uh, there's no doubt that the landscape has a special hold uh, on the people of Montana. There's a, a new book that's just come out that I think serves as a good model for this. It's by David Brooks, Restoring the Shining Waters, Superfund Success at Milltown, Montana, published by the University of Oklahoma Press. I don't know if Chuck Rankin had a hand in that, but uh, I, I think it serves as a model for the kind of new research that i like to see in that area. I'd also like to see more emphasis on what I like to call comparative history. And and by that I mean placing Montana within a larger regional and even national context. Uh, Given the theme of this conference, many of you might recall the book done by Arnold Gutfeld, oh many many years ago, Montana's Agony. It really broke new ground in many ways in talking about what was happening in Montana during the First World War, but I know when I read that book, just when it came out, I was struck by the author's unwillingness, if you will, to place the story with any sort of national context. Everything, everything was blamed on ACM, and of course, a good deal of it could be blamed on the company, but there were other factors at work there. I think it's important to place Montana within that larger framework Uh, Our luncheon speaker yesterday, Jeff Johnson, uh, has done that in his book. They're all read out there that focused on socialism, the Socialist Party, in the Pacific Northwest, where he looked at Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana. Uh, How are they part of the same story? How do they differ? An even more recent book, in fact it just came out in 2015, uh, is by Cody Ferguson, who's a professor at Fort Lewis College in Colorado, Uh, That book is titled, This is Our Land, Grassroots Environmentalism in the Late 20th Century, where he looks at, at grassroots environmental movements in three different areas. One is in Montana, the Northern Plains Resource Council. One is in Arizona, and the third is in Tennessee. It's a book that really, really breaks new ground through this comparative approach. And of course, I also like it because it's dealing with the late 20th century and it's dealing with environmental issues. It sort of touches all the points that I think are important. I'd also like to see more emphasis on on what could be called community history. Now that can mean all kinds of things, but but two or three examples come to mind. I'm especially interested in Montana ethnic history One of the most important ethnic groups to ever come to Montana were the Swedes. Not a single piece of work that focuses specifically on Montana has ever been done in that area. Or what about a book on German immigrants in Montana? That's come up many times in the conference over the last two days. We know they were important to Montana's story in 1917. But in fact, they were one of the largest immigrant groups to come into Montana in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, and yet we don't have that definitive volume on them. And I could rattle off a half a dozen other groups as well. Two other institutions that I think beg for study at the community level. As a professor at Carroll for all those years, I had students who came from every corner of the state, and I'm sure that Mary and Jeff have had the same experience, from Yak to Ekalaka to SCOBY, and they often bring with them these amazing stories. But if you had asked them, what are the things that gave your communities a sense of identity, that glued the community together, two things come up time and time again. One would be schools, Right, I mean, in fact, it's when the school disappears that the identity often disappears. What's the role of those schools within all of these communities across Montana? And the other would be the church, right? It's the church that that often binds that community together. And yet very few academic historians and, and almost no one in Montana has really delved into the role that churches have played within these communities. I think church history, educational history, but specifically school history, is is begging for this sort of work. And then finally, and this is sort of my lead-in to Professor Wilson, I think we are in desperate need of a modern history of Montana that would bring about the kind of synthesizing effort that, that Jeff mentioned. Uh, you know, the K. Ross Toolbook had a great impact on Montana where well, that's now almost 50 years old and as we know uh, that story ended in 1920, right, and, and, and as as phenomenal as the Malone Raider lang textbook was and I, and I love the book and I used it year after year, the, la- the the weakest chapters in the book were the last three, sorry Mike, And of course, the revised edition of that book came out in 1991, now close to three decades ago. We are in desperate need of a new synthesis that would bring the story into the 21st century. So those are the books that I would love to see on my bookshelf five years down the road.